Welcome back to another episode of Let's Scream. Hello, no, I'm Mode. <laughs> and Allie. Oh, yes. Hi. <laughs> I like yelled over you as you said your name, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> we're going to get this down at some point. You know, we're going to figure yeah. out our cool intro. Or it's just going to be rough forever going forward, and people will learn to love it. Exactly. It's going to be our reputation, right? Mm -hmm. We're just going to be. The chicks who don't know how to begin a show. <laughs> but exactly. At least we're not coming in like mid-conversation. Like we're at least trying to do it. <laughs> exactly. We are trying. So so yeah, anyways, thanks, thanks for um, watching us again. It means we must be doing something right. So thank you. Um, hopefully you are enjoying the show. Uh, quick little reminder, if you are, we are part of the Infamous Horror Network. Uh, we have a Patreon going on. And this is not just for us, but it's for all the shows that are part of this network. So if you are into horror and you want to get some special, little special extras, and you just like really want to support this project, uh, there's, I believe, 14 shows so far, like, you know, that, that, that are going on. So also, we very strongly invite you to check out all of the other shows on YouTube and on Facebook. You can find all of the info on the Infamous Horror page. Also, scrolling at the bottom, you have the Patreon link for the Infamous Horror and our good old fave Twitter. Uh, that's, you yeah. know, to chat with us. Yeah. And let us know what you like. Uh, if you would like us to talk about something in specific, if you would like us to talk with someone in specific, or if you just like want to, you know, like hang out and chat with us. Exactly. <laughs> Feel free to drop us a line. Awesome. So, yeah, well, Ali, have you watched anything great this week? Oh my God, I honestly don't even know what's even happened this week. Like, what day is it at this point? I think we're Sunday right now. Sunday. Okay, I must have watched. You you go first and let me think about all the show. You know what? I letterbox everything that I watch. I should know oh, what I did. <laughs> like, I have to. Otherwise, this is what happens where I'm like, I have no idea what I watched. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I watched I watched two films. I'm still catching up on a lot of stuff that I missed. I watched The Lodge, finally. Oh, did you like it? I am ambivalent on it. Like, you know, oh, I'd say, yeah. like, I, give me a few days. I still need to figure out what I, I... I like it, like, in in theory. I still just haven't fully processed where it uh, fits within my realm of tastes. But, yeah. That is fair. Uh, I watched... The amazing Hammer film featuring the Shaw brothers, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which I had to watch for another podcast. Nice. And I also watched House of Gucci. Oh, how was that? It's not horror, but it's not horror. part of it that could make it horror or not. I mean, it's very true crime because, you know, a murder happens. Yeah. Uh, and like Jared's, Jared Leto's makeup's pretty horrific, but I actually don't hate his character. I feel like I might be like, one of the very few people who aren't mad about his character being like a caricature of a real life person but like yeah. it was fun i'm just like how did he get this role like did he go into the audition with that accent being like hey put me in your movie I can oh, is it is it that on the nose it's, it's like that it's very oh, funny wow. okay and like i love lady gaga and ridley scott made you know alien and stuff so like yeah. you can't hate yeah Okay, well, I might check it out over the holiday break. That would be great. You know what I... Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I, I was going to say, because you might be watching this in January, but we are right before the holidays, so... Yes, it is, like, mid-December at this point. Yes. Filming, so we can get ahead of all the holiday schedule. Yeah, exactly. We're just breaking the, you know, YouTube movie magic or whatever that is. Exactly. We're breaking the, like, weird YouTube fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, but, uh, yeah, I think... I think I know what you're going to say, and I would think I was probably going to say the same thing. <laughs> the second movie, which I know we both watched. Yes, we both watched it this week. Yeah, so uh, I had the pleasure to finally see Bingo Hell. I did too, and it was beautiful. And it, it is amazing, and we are super stoked because uh, the director director extraordinaire of that film, Gigi Sol Guerrero, is our guest this week. Woo! Yay! Uh, but yeah, without uh, further ado, if you do not know uh, what Bingo Hell is, or if you have not seen it, uh, here's a trailer to give you a little taste and hopefully um, inspire you to 
you know, watch it right after this podcast or pause us and go watch it. Watch don't it. forget to come back for the interview. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. It's free right now. Go do it. It's amazing. So here we go. I look around this beautiful community of yours. You know what I see? Each and every one of you has a big dream. We all have that one thing we still yearn for. They say money can't buy you happiness. I disagree. Looks like a goddamn casino. Welcome to the game. Are you feeling like a hombre is a snake? Bingo! I got Bingo! I'm gonna be a winner. Are you feeling We are all that's left. We have to do something. What's the plan, Granny? Should I grab my shotgun? do let's bring in Gigi hello 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 welcome to our show thank you guys yeah I know you were you were commenting about your intros I think they were so genuine and funny <laughs> uh I was laughing the whole thank time thank you I think we're gonna forever be awkward that should be I love thing. it that's weird weird good you know we are the weirdos mister exactly. you know so it's perfectly fine Awesome. Well, thank you for being on our show. I gotta say, and in like, I, I just, I have to gush a little bit before we started the interview. I gotta say, <laughs> I really, really, really loved uh, Bingo Hell. It resonated so much with me because uh, I'm someone who was raised, but like, I wasn't raised by my grandma, but like she had a very, uh, she played a very important part in my life and she's still around oh. and she's still so, such a badass, you know? I love uh, that. Yeah. And she's actually, she came to, she loved, like, she loved watching like action movie. Like, you know, she came to see Kill Bill with me and everything. So I always thought like, I have a cool badass grandma. So when I saw that movie, it just like resonated like so, so much with me, uh, just watching it and just seeing like all of these, like, you know, badass like you know older women character and and just especially <laughs> seeing the, 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 the dedication at the end you know to uh to your grandma or like the inspiration it's just like it's just like i don't know it's just like you know it it uh it um it has a special place in my heart also for oh, that that's so, amazing. yeah i just figured i wanted to say that yeah so. that's awesome that really was the goal you know awesome. it really was the goal <laughs> to resonate with with somebody in, in people's lives that they may have, whether it's a grandma, an aunt, an uncle, uh, you know, next door neighbor, a teacher. It's just, I find senior citizens don't have that badass light in movies enough. And so this really was dedicated to to them. So that's so cool. You made me so happy. Yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> Glad I did. Well, yeah, thank you. And the movie made me happy. And, and also, I agree with you. And what I thought was really great is how it's not made to be comical. Like, you know, I've seen those movies that like, you know, um, star like more like senior citizen, but it's like meant as a butt to it as a butt of a joke, you know, so yes. whereas like in this, it, like it this felt genuine, like it came from like a, a true place of like love and respect, you know, so so that was really great. I mean, honestly, those those actors, those actors, oh, no, they're like truly they're like that. <laughs> like they really were so natural and so genuine. So a lot of the quirkiness and the silliness that they would bring, I, that was just them. And, you know, like we all know our grandparents, they're crazy and stubborn people, the most stubborn creatures on earth. And I, these incredible actors just already had that sass and that charm. So it, I, it really was just funny because that's how they are. <laughs> so so it didn't have to feel forced at all, you know, and uh, so that was really fun. That was a lot of fun. Intimidating, but it was really fun. Nice. Amazing. That's so good. Uh, so you co-wrote this film with 
Harry Blackshear and Shane McKenzie, correct? Yeah, correct. How was it like correct. working with those two and getting this whole story put together? Was there like ever like fights in the writing room where you're like, no, this has to be in there? And they were like, no, no way. No, I, that's a great question. I mean, luckily this story came from Shane and myself uh, originally. This was totally our, our idea together. And, you know, once pandemic hit, it hit the whole world out of left field. It was really hard to try and just get the script together that Perry really came last minute to just help us. How can we condense this to just be shot solo budget so quick and and um, during the peak of COVID? Uh, we shot this film right before vaccines were a thing. This was one of the first movies at the beginning of the year to be shot. In, in early early January when still everybody was figuring out how do sets even work <laughs> during this and so Perry really helped us on that creative side afterwards uh, but at the beginning it was a ton of fun because uh, um, one day just one regular random day uh, I called up Shane just to catch up and he says Gigi you're not going to believe where I was last night. And I was like, oh, what, are you okay? Like, you sound like you're in trouble. He's like, dude, I went to check out my mother-in-law's bingo hall. Her and her friends are crazy. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they're all so old. And I felt so out of place. They were like religious at this game. And he was just like expressing all this enthusiasm and fear of the bingo hall he went to with his mother-in-law <laughs> and he lives in Austin. So the, he's very expressive, wonderful people there. And I said to him, that's really funny, man. Cause my grandma loves bingo, but the Mexican one, Loteria is called. And I was explaining to him, she plays that with her sisters in Cancun all the time. It's like their, their game. So it just through this funny conversation, sharing how they have lucky charms to really want to win and how it's not just a sport, it's like a religion and like all these things, like it, it really brings their community together. Shane and I, we just kind of said the magical words to each other of, hmm, I wonder what would happen if we took bingo away from them. I was like, oh. Oh, I said, put on a helmet, buddy, because my grandma's going to kick someone's ass. She might kill someone. And so that really started the idea of like, oh, this could be really cool. So it just kind of, it became this awesome, fun film that Blumhouse really, really enjoyed the idea of senior citizens fighting back for their bingo hall. That's and, amazing. but it was a, it was a very big idea at the time, which, which we all felt confident in doing. And it was about an entire town and it was about, it was like a, a big scaled project. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so many things happened that the movie, I, I think easily three or four times the movie got shut down. We're not doing it. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. We're doing it. It's not happening. You know, it kept going back and forth because nobody knew what the world had coming right during during 2020 so it was a lot of rewrites to really figure out how can we shoot this with no money no time uh but coming from culture shock my feature debut i was like we can do this oh we can do this don't, don't you worry but it, it was really ambitious it was it, it was it was a really tough shoot but but yeah, I mean, I, Perry helped us out in the writing so much to see how we can just make it just such a smaller scale film. But you know what I tell everybody that starts in movies is all these struggles happen for a reason and all these changes you go through that break your heart. At the end of the day, they do make the movie better mm -hmm. without you knowing, uh, you know, you realize it after when it's done or while you're shooting like, oh. This really is better, you know, because you 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 condense things, you compromise, mm -hmm. and and you keep things so linear, which mm -hmm. helps you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that definitely comes through. And what I feel like, you know, is great is that even though that the idea was like pared down, it still has its heart. Like you know, it has yes. a, it has a heart and it has a soul, and that's like the most important part, right, of any movie. And to me, I guess, like, just to kind of segue, because you also mentioned culture shock, something that strikes me is that there's, um, 
I, I could see a bit of a social commentary as well. Like, I mean, culture shock yeah. is obviously a social commentary. Oh, right? yeah. That was like, <laughs> in your face. Exactly. In your face. We got something to talk about. <laughs> exactly. But I felt like I was surprised by Bingo Hell. And it's like about how much like it has to say about like, you know, like, well, to me, what I felt like both like gentrification, but also yes. like people's obsession with money and like wanting like and I feels like the whole like the dream right of winning the lottery and like just having that that new life yeah and I just thought it was um really interesting and it's it, it, it these are very strong social commentary and they're interwoven in such a they're so so, so ingrained in, uh in part of the story I'm Thank curious you. do they usually like as a creator like you know that process do you like where does that side of it come like I, is it like completely organic do you sometimes consciously decide oh I'd like to like you know address that like you know put that social commentary infuse it in the story mm. I'm kind of curious about that process of like because yeah. you have such a strong social voice as well yeah. Thank, thank you so much. You know, with, with Bingo Hell, definitely the goal, we wanted people to have fun. We wanted people to invite their grandparents to watch a horror movie, which does not happen very often. Yeah. But as Shane and I were creating the story, we're big fans of characters. Mm -hmm. And it always feels natural when you start creating the characters, what themes start to come in. And when we were talking about, all right, so what are some of the things that we can break that stereotype with seniors in this case, in this example. And a lot of the times we were like, well, you know what? The stereotype of them is really the weak and old all the time. And we, it just kind of started going into the conversation of how they get scammed with phone calls, how it's so easy for them to, you know, not get help at the bank. And like, we just kind of started talking about how little control they have and trust the older you get and because they're so cranky, right? Beautiful, cranky people. And from those conversations, just talking about the stereotypes we want to break on these lead characters as we're creating a story about it. Gentrification was the first thing that came to our minds and how no matter where you live, you have seen it. You, you see it as you leave from your door to, the, to work, you will drive by a, a gentrified street even or town mm -hmm. and so you know it, it, that's how we got inspired because we were like there's yet to be a, a genre movie that actually talks about that and how these people mm -hmm. have no control mm -hmm. over that what happens when you know these big elon musk people show up and take over you you got you can't do anything so that to me is always really fun to really pair the social commentary that fits within the world of your lead characters mm -hmm. and what are those struggles that they are most likely going through. And that helped me so much with culture shock so much when it came to doing those heavy rewrites that when I came in, what are those struggles to cross the border? What kind of desperation do you need to be in to want to risk your life like that? So I always like to ask myself those questions in the process when it comes to my lead characters um and yeah that that's how they come natural sometimes i draw a blank and then you don't know anything <laughs> wake up the next day you gotta think about it again but it's always super helpful to do that yeah heck yeah well your cast is amazing when you were like putting this whole thing together like, did you have certain people in mind like, or like adriana barraza like <laughs> that cast let me tell thank you jesus um, <laughs> yo, as even as just creating it before Perry came in and before even talking to Blumhouse about this film, Shane and I, we were like, okay, we need a cranky Mexican woman. Who's that abuela? You know, that, that, that just represents grandmas in the world. And just at the top of our heads, we were like, oh, wouldn't it be so amazing to get Oscar nominee Adriana Barraza. You know, <laughs> we're like, okay, we can dream about it. So we, we were literally writing the story with her in mind, not even thinking she's going to say yes, because we're, we're little people and she's a big person, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we, we wrote her with her in mind. There was just nobody else. And, you know, when it came to, you know, this movie's going to happen, let's, let's start, let's go. Uh, you know, casting was like, you know, I, I know you love Adriana Barraza. I know, you know, I was like, oh, yes, uh, what, what you mean? We have to keep, keep talking. 
They're like, listen, she's not going to audition for this. She's an offer-only type of lady with a very certain budget or whatever. But you coming from culture shock, you're Latino, you're young, you're from Mexico too. Why don't you write her a letter and we will send it to her? Maybe she'll respond. I was like, you know what? We got nothing to lose. So I got my sister. I'm like, Shadan, help me write the biggest love letter ever. And so she, my sister helped me write this letter for Adriana. It was, a, it was a crazy love letter of like, you're amazing. I love you. Your movie this, your movie that, blah, blah, blah. Little did I expect Adriana to request a Zoom meeting with me. And long story short, the Zoom meeting, I was like, hello. And she's like, oh, hi. And she's like, this letter, nobody has written me a letter before. I wanted to meet you. And I didn't know you made Culture Shock, and I'm a big fan. I was like, ah! and, and funny enough, at that time, we didn't have a script. We just had a treatment. Like, we didn't, we didn't have much. Oh, no, sorry, we did have a script. But it was at that time where we had to just literally throw that script in the trash because of COVID and redo it to make it work, right? Make it fit the times and the budget and all this. So I had nothing to show her. I really didn't. And... And just from meeting me and my energy and I made her laugh and I told her what this character means to me. And I, I basically told her, told her, you're going to be portraying my abuela, literally my grandma, who's this, who's that. And you, you are the, the person to really portray this for everybody. And she just fell in love with the idea without even knowing the script or hearing it, uh, reading it. She said, okay, I want to do this movie. I've, I, I haven't been in a horror movie or the lead in so long. I want to do it. I said, oh, uh, do you need to read? No, nah, no, nah, I'll read it later. Just let's just sign. And so I hung up and I called Blumhouse. She said, yes, get her to sign before she says no. <laughs> so, it was awesome. Like she really wanted to do this before even knowing everything she was gonna do so it was super cool it, every every actor in this movie has such a background to them including you know who plays Dolores L. Scott Caldwell is a Tony Award winner oh, that lady is you know she's really precise like she definitely was that actor that I think it can be very easy for for first-time filmmaker to be very intimidated not that she's mean or anything She's very like precise of how she wants things and she will call you out. I, I remember this quote, I think it was Christopher Nolan. He said, actors are like lie detectors. They know when they, they will call on your shit. And that really stuck with me that actors are like lie detectors. And he's right. If you're not honest with an actor of why you're doing another take or why the character is in this journey of blah 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 this whatever you want to describe in your direction they will call you out if you're making shit up so you know she's that lady man like she she knows she knows she will see and she will smell that fear you have but it was really cool and this was definitely uh you know to end my giant ramble um on it this was definitely the kind of movie that inspired me so much to be in this position as a younger filmmaker starting out to work with such veteran and such seasoned actors who really come from a different time. And by what I mean a different time is just the way of film sets back then were very different. The way of acting, like look at the, the evolution of acting where it's come. These guys have been around for a long time, all five of them that acted in this film. And it was really cool to learn from them and them being excited to work. All of them had never worked with a young director before. And that was to them the, super exciting to just feel in something so current, so new. Um, and to be covered in blood and slime. So that really worked, <laughs> uh, which we can talk about in a moment. <laughs> but yeah, the actors were awesome. I'm glad you brought it up, Ali, because they really, they're what made this movie, I think. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Like, she's phenomenal in it. 
Thank yeah, you. They're all phenomenal. It's actually, I'm actually curious because I, I was just going to ask like how they reacted to the, the horror element, ah. you know, just because, because, <laughs> you know, there are some actors who are used to like, you know, they've made a career and like, you know, now they're called icons and then we see them in horror film all the time. But in those cases, like, I don't think any of them <laughs> have ever done anything yeah, horror yeah. related. Bro, so I'm kind of intrigued about that clash, you know. I have the best story for you guys. So it's day one of shooting. If anybody listening, press pause because this is a spoiler alert. You have five, you have five seconds. Think, 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 think. Okay, they press pause. Here we go. Spoiler. <laughs> so it's day one of shooting, and of course, because film film makes no sense production wise. Why are you gonna shoot the hardest thing first? Because of budget and location and time and availability, right? For her day of shooting was Clarence's death. Of course, we're going to start with the hardest thing to shoot. And of course, this was a test because as you girls saw, the death scenes are very weird and wild and they go back and forth and it's all these crazy things. I was like, okay, we can do this. So first day of shooting is Clarence's death. Grover, the eldest actor of the ensemble, he goes to set and I could tell he was nervous. I was like, oh, maybe it's because it's day one and we're all back from 2019, you know. I didn't look into it much, but I could tell something was up and he was doing his job. He was doing a really good job, but the closer it got to his death scene, the more nervous he got until I went up to him. I'm like, Grover, you're doing excellent. So uh, talk to me. What's up? Oh, ma'am, my stomach really hurts. And uh, that's why I've been going to the bathroom. He says, cause I'm really nervous. I was like, oh. Are you okay? Is something you ate? He's like, no. In the 45 years of my career, I have never had fake blood on me or near me ever. And I don't know what to do. What do I do? <laughs> he said. <laughs> and I said, well, I looked at the time. We're behind. I said, well, Grover, when I say action, you're going to close your fucking eyes and you keep acting. You do not want that shit in your eyes. So you're going to feel a lot of blood and you just go for it. But you close your eyes. That's all you need to do. He's like, oh, okay, that's it. I was like, that's it. Close your eyes and do not swallow the fake blood. Okay, you got it. All right, everybody, here we go. And then it's like three, two, one. And he's like, and I'm like, action. And he's like with his eyes closed and acting. And I was just, I was laughing so hard because I could tell it was his first time. But he went for it. And he was that one actor that a lot of the things he did in this film were his first time. Like laughing so hard. You know what character I'm talking about. He was always like, <laughs> like laughing. And I always had to yell on the, on the megaphone, Grover, pace yourself. Grover, pace yourself. Because I always thought any of these actors were going to pass out at some point because... I didn't want them to hurt their hip or something. Oh, girl, we definitely started on the roughest day, but all of them enjoyed it. Once they had felt blood or slime in their hands, they were like, ooh, like they were so <laughs> into it. All of them, all of them. Adriana, at the last scene of the movie, she was hitting, you know, who she's supposed to be killing. She was hitting the bags so, uh, so hard of blood that were splashing her. She wouldn't stop. She just, I, I, all of us didn't know how to call cut on her because she was like, Aah! all the actors, when it came to, if you're still listening, this was one last spoiler. It, all the actors, when it came to the climax of the movie, where's that hilarious beat down, you know, fighting. They were not acting girls. They were terrifying. All these actors were absolutely scary because I think they were carrying years of, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck of grudges <laughs> of, of anger. I don't know, but they terrified all the stunt performers because they were like, Oh my God. And they were just going for it. Hijo de puta. And like screaming motherfucker, like all these things. They were these actors. I was like, I don't know what is going on, but, but they are just letting out steam. <laughs> and, but they had a blast. Okay, you can come back, uh, you know, for the listeners. But, the, yeah, these actors were, um, 
when it came to the genre world, they they very much enjoyed it. Yes. That's very amazing. Much. It must have been <laughs> such a fun directing experience. It was fun. You um, know, no matter how ambitious and truly freaking hard this movie was to shoot, it was a lot of fun. And I could tell a lot of the crew, and especially this cast, just wanted to make something uh, after such a tough time for everybody. So it felt like a blessing to be able to make something. Um, of course, I wish we had more money, more time and all these things. But thank God for an experience like Culture Shock that it helped to do something harder um, with the exact same amount of resources. So, you know, things are possible and we just have to be grateful of what of what you can do, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so veering off of filmmaking for a hot second, can we yeah. talk about your career as a directing and film teacher at, ah, at sure. the Vancouver Film School? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So on my off times because film uh, is not consistent. Uh, <laughs> I like to, I love to teach. So I went behind my film school's back and taught at the rival film school of Vancouver. Oh, uh, I know it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know it's horrible. But but I so I I really just needed something that understands the schedule cuz I mean that's why I'm still single. People don't like to date filmmakers cuz our schedule sucks. <laughs> so it's the same for jobs. Nobody wants to hire me at a restaurant or Starbucks or anything cuz my schedule sucks, you know? So teaching really was the right choice of a place that, oh, yeah, go work. Because we we love working mm -hmm. teachers or actors or whatever. So working at Vancouver Film School is super cool. I swear the students are getting smarter, though, uh, which is making me nervous because they're so, they're so ahead. Mm -hmm. You look at TikTok and all these things. Like, people are, yeah. they, like, mm -hmm. uh, these kids, man. They're, they're not much younger than we are, and they are so ahead that I remember when I was in film school, I didn't have access to half the things these kids do. So I feel like every time I teach a new term, they're way ahead of me. The only thing, though, I'll tell you girls, that I do enjoy so much is showing them classic films. It's really mm -hmm. crazy to see how there comes a, almost like a gap that it's from late 70s and earlier. Yeah. They really haven't seen much. Huh. And it's really oh. sad. What so is sad? I, I, I don't know. It's one thing I've noticed a lot. like, Or even films in the 80s or, or something like that. But just this last couple terms I taught, I really leaned into the early work of Scorsese. Goodfellas, Casino, movies like that that are just so powerful and so good from way back. Mm -hmm. uh, even other movies like Taxi Driver, let's say. <laughs> Pretty much a Robert De Niro class seems oh, yeah, like, of course. but but every single student in my class never even heard of them, and mm -hmm. so I it, do not know what Taxi Driver is or it's such a classic. Oh my! I know it's crazy. So that to me, I find it such a great opportunity to encourage, not force, but encourage them to open their mind to where all this came from. You know, even way before, black and white, way before. So I love teaching. Uh, it's very rewarding job. They all look at you like, ah, like, you know, they're like your biggest fans. And all, I think they're mostly fans of my dog because I take my dog to the school. Yeah. So I, I think it's my dog that makes my classes interesting. No, but I love teaching. <laughs> I love teaching. It's a blast. It's a blast. Oh, that's and also, I, I think they relate. Because they're like, oh, she, she's just starting out. So they, it, it, I get to really share with them a lot of the fuck-ups that I do. A lot <laughs> of the things that I'm like, don't do this, guys. This just happened to me on the last film. Like, I, you know, they're able to be like, oh, wow. And with Bingo Hell, I did a screening in Vancouver a couple weeks ago. And all my students came. And they've never been to a screening before. So they didn't know what a screening is like. And it was so much fun. So it's, it's really cool to just celebrate film with the new generation. Yeah. Well, that's so good. When you're teaching, is there like a go-to film that you're like, if you want to be a filmmaker, this <sighs> is the film to watch? <laughs> oh, that's, I mean, I, every class I base it 
so different because I have a character class, I have working with actors mm -hmm. class, I have suspense oh. class. So I so I really break down my my suspense class. Curriculum. You suspense now. Yeah, yeah, but I always girl the the movie that made me go to film school and this is the one I always share was Children of Men. Good, <laughs> so good. Mm -hmm. Sorry, oh, that was really high pitched. Love Children of Men. Oh my God, I I that movie changed my life. And uh, I always mention that one, always, every time, <laughs> every time I say that one, because that one for me was when I was, I think I was 15, 15 or 16 when that movie came out. Mm -hmm. So I like to relate movies that are in the time I grew up. Um, so that, that's, that's the one I say. And then my list of horror is like massive. But uh, yeah, that yeah. one's just, that one's like to me a masterpiece of a film. That's amazing. It must be really interesting seeing how uh, the younger generation um, react to like the pacing. Like you know, that's kind of like a bit of an aside, but like the pacing yeah. of these older films because that's something I'm definitely I'm revisiting right now. A lot of the classics from like the '60s and '70s, either I haven't seen or only saw on VHS back when VHS were like you know the only option so and, and it just like struck me about how film has evolved so much on on all front like you yes. know from the the acting style to the directing style to like For all of sure. these innovations and and I just think it's it's fascinating I'm kind of like interested to know in this like TikTok generation and very yeah. much like social media like you know fast-paced video driven you know um, how how that relationship like you know operate itself and you as a as a creator um, like in the middle of it like how, what's your take also on that yeah. I, you know I think it's because of this evolution of social media and how you really see content in short form mm -hmm. I think that is a I mean, not maybe not the reason but a big big element uh, of why our our intention span is so much. Short, not shorter, but like you really need to be captivated in 30 seconds. Like you, mm -hmm. you have to, or less because things are so easy like this. You click away. Yeah. You put Netflix and all these streaming platforms, a click away to move on before it's a whole ordeal. You got to leave the theater. You got to, you know, you're, you're paying for cable. You're doing all these things to really watch content. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, a, it's really a commitment. I find. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but the evolution of it, you're right, Maude, like it's, it's the world building in films is not the same. We used to take our time, take mm -hmm. our time and building worlds, characters, their environment. We didn't start off movies always with a death scene or the flashback or like in the first intro, the cold open, those weren't super popular Mm -hmm. um, back then it really was this build. Sure. There was things that captivate you, but what captivated us was such a, a more of the technical side, I think more the cinematic vision of mm -hmm. what we're seeing, like, wow. Uh, so now it, I think we have it harder. And I think us, as us three know, mm -hmm. we have it really hard in the genre space. Cause I think we got to captivate people even faster and studios still want you know pg-13 rating they still want to get the gen the new generation's attention too mm -hmm. so i think that challenge is really hard because us hardcore horror fans are like the old schoolers we're passionate you know so if you mess it up we're gonna say boo really loud yeah and it's not it's not at all the same as the jump scares and the stuff you see now of what we used to like back in the day. Look at The Exorcist. It takes forty-five minutes to anything to happen. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. and it, right, and it, and it, but it, it captivates you, captivates you the whole time. You can't show that now as easy no. to the younger generation. Ah, stupid. Ah, the makeup's fake. That's not what I'm yeah. trying to show you. So yeah. it's. It's, yeah, it's a lot of things, but that's my rant. <laughs> no, but it's it's fascinating. And it's great because it like segues into also another one of the questions that I had is just because you've, 
you've done a lot of shorts as well, like yes. independently. Like you have such an interesting body of work when it comes to like short film. And you've also had the chance to work with like studios, you know, on your feature project. And I'm kind of curious, you know, in terms like how, how has it been for you from a, like a storyteller perspective, you know, just like, you know, the experience of working with studios and their expectation and like, you know, in terms of like your stories, the story you want to tell versus what they want, you know, and what they want to show. So how, how do you feel like, how does it compare in terms of like what you do independently versus what you do in the studio and how much, I guess, ownership in, in the end, not so much ownership, but like creative ownership over yeah. like, you know, what you want to, what you really want to do. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think we as filmmakers need to learn that you, the biggest lesson, it's not just grow thick skin and defend yourself and blah, blah. You also don't want to be difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. And the things that I've really learned coming from having full creative freedom, full control, full everything in so many short films where you direct, you produce, you're the one doing the crafty, you're doing everything. Yeah. You come to these shows where they're really, look, the resources the, it's not yours, but mm -hmm. the opportunity is. So you have to remind yourself of that and how you're given an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I find, you know, I've met a lot of filmmakers that, that complain a lot of, oh, I don't have creative freedom. Oh, I'm getting these shitty notes and blah, blah, blah. But you have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So what I, you know, the lesson I learned always, always, not just to be kind and a, I think we all should have common sense, but it really is to learn how to compromise, learn how to pick your battles. And I find with these feature films, that's, that's a game you need to play with the studio and you got to be really good at it. You know, I'm still learning it, but it's about compromising. It's about knowing which babies you're going to kill, which is the worst <laughs> phrase we have, but that's how we say it in film, right? Yeah. And what battles you're going to pick because you're not going to win everything. So really choose what you really want to stay and agree with the things they want. Because at the end of the day, and something we have to tell ourselves all the time is they too want to make this a good movie. Their intention is for them to also have a good movie and you want it to be a good movie. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting balance. I'm still learning it from the last two movies, but luckily Blumhouse, you know, they work with these low budgets. They work with these insane short days of 16 days to make a movie they get it which helps so i i'm excited for the next films you know that will be 20 million let's hope <laughs> thank you jesus let's hope it, it goes to that that keeps getting higher i'm still in the super super low 1 million range that's fine but you have to just remember it's only going to get harder and more intense so straight stay tactful and graceful and yeah. pick your battles it's a really tough game for sure yeah. it's hard it's almost hard to explain because i feel like i'm just i'm just learning how to how to how to play ball <laughs> well you've had a lot of success with your feature films but also you're directing tv you got to direct episodes of the purge television show and be a part of that like honestly like one of my favorite franchises like that's how did awesome feel, yeah how did it feel getting involved with the purge and like oh so much fun <laughs> oh so much fun no definitely directing the action-packed episode in season two was so cool i i, I had too much fun because i'm a big fan of the purge too mm -hmm. so i really understood the vision and and everything and i got to flip a giant van in this crazy car crash and it just mm -hmm. gave me so much opportunity i loved it i loved it i loved it i loved it it was a blast so hopefully, you know, now just coming back from COVID and finishing culture, uh, uh, bingo hell. I really personally want to get more into TV. I think we're very lucky that TV is so elevated now. It's really good storytelling. I want to be part of that. Like I want to, I want to be part of people's awesome shows. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. There's also just so many more horror shows nowadays yeah. and there's so many opportunities to also binge shows like i remember growing up and if you weren't at the tv by eight o'clock you just didn't see that episode i like remember very clearly people just being like tonight is breaking bad you know like i i remember <laughs> that it was it was a commitment for sure 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess I, I want to talk about culture shock for a little bit. Like I know Ali also had some question about it. I mean, culture shock to me is such a great, like, you know, gut punch of a movie, especially <laughs> given the social climate when it was released. Like, I'd like to know a bit more about like that. Like, how was it like for you, both the process of making the film, but also the reception around it and everything? Yeah, no, it was really... Uh... I love this question because it was really crazy. <laughs> Definitely, I didn't expect to be allowed these wild changes on the script to be so, you know, in your face of yeah. the, what we got going on in the border crisis, unfortunately, still going on, mm -hmm. is something that needs to be talked about. And I think I didn't come into it as like, ah, I'm a filmmaker and I got an opportunity. I really felt this was a responsibility of a movie to make because being Mexican, being an immigrant too, I felt this was really a responsibility for me to be able to talk about it, to be able to tell a story about it. So I really put my whole heart <laughs> in culture shock. Um, and even while we were making the movie, a lot of the times I was like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like I felt all right, let's do it. Especially, you know, spoiler alert in the big reveal in the VR when they all wake up like of in these cages, basically. I, the script wasn't like that. It was very um, like a nice, clean Twilight Zone lab, laboratory. It looked very, very pristine and cool, very sci-fi. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, we're going hostile. You know, I was like, this is how it's got to feel in these cages. This is what these people feel, man. It's disgusting. And so it really was a lot of just being blunt with all this. Just, I didn't want to be subtle at all. Um, so it was, the process was really intense. I, I never got questioned, which is fine. Even at the end of Culture Shock, when I make fun of Trump with his tweets, I didn't get questioned. I just went for it, wrote it in. <laughs> That's amazing. But what, but what was really hard in the process of Culture Shock was after I, the biggest fight I've had to do in my career was on culture shock was to keep the Spanish. I came to, uh, you know, we did director's cut, producer's cut, all these cuts that everybody was happy with were weeks away from the deadline. And suddenly I get into this big meeting where I'm being told I have to cut out the Spanish and this movie has to be more English than Spanish because the audiences don't like to read subtitles. This is before Parasite won, right? Or during the time Parasite won the Oscars. This is The Quiet Place as well because that was an entirely subtitled movie and everyone had no problem watching that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it really was, well, the statistics are that the Hulu audience doesn't like to watch uh, read subtitles. I was like, yes, but I still delivered you exactly what I gave you on paper to like two, three months ago. Like, I'm not going to, no. So it became a very big problem. And that really was, for example, what we were talking about earlier. That was really one of the fights I'm going to pick to do. <laughs> I'm going to do a very big stink about this one. It was, it was heartbreaking because we were still at that time. Like, are you kidding me? And it was a lot of bringing up, like, did you not see what just won last month at the Oscars? Mm -hmm. A Korean fucking movie. Like, come mm -hmm. on. Yeah. So that was really hard. Luckily, still won the battle. Had to do a tiny compromise. And, it, you know, did that weird montage intro of Culture Shock that was not there. That was in English. So I just mm -hmm. took deleted scenes of, of all the news footage I didn't use. Mm. Laid it at the front. Starts in English. And then, well, it'll get back to English at some point. Luckily, that that did it. Um, but of course, it was a very, it was a much bigger fight than that. Yeah. But afterwards, too, the other thing that was really hard to finish your question, Maud, was when the movie came out. When the movie came out, I, it, it since it's a very political film, you know, I we're still a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and we are the worst rated movie on IMDb. And it's just, you know, it's it's a very interesting thing to watch because you see all these people that are so, Trump supporters are so, uh, you know, privileged. 
And, it, you know, I was getting a lot of hate on social media, on Twitter especially. But I loved it. I loved being a little troll, <laughs> saying stuff back. That my manager had to tell me, Gigi, stop interacting. But I couldn't help it. I, I couldn't help interact and make fun of them back. But it was a lot of like, you're not even American. Stop making movies about our country. And like all these wild things. And like, I got a lot of hate for culture shock. And But at the same time, I got a lot of love. And I got a lot of opportunities and doors open and broke the stereotype. Uh, you know, um, Blumhouse went for a movie that was 50% in a foreign language. So it really brought a lot of great things, that film. And and I learned a lot of, of how crazy people can be. I, you know, I still sometimes see things on Twitter and random things about, about it. But yeah. heck... I think bad promo is great promo too. And and mm -hmm. if people, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're the filmmaker and you can make people have a conversation about your movie, good or bad, you resonated with them in some way. You made them react in some level. And I, you did your job. So I, mm -hmm. I think I did my job. <laughs> so. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So you, I mean, I, I, I know I speak for myself, but probably also for a lot of other people. But it's such an inspiration hearing you talk, and you are such an inspiration, especially oh, so in these like situation. I mean, because I think anybody who's who's a maker also knows how how disheartening it is to yeah. have people come at you for something that you spend so much time and effort making, and it's really hard to disconnect yourself, like you know. Mm -hmm you know, from your work. And I think you just do this like beautifully. <laughs> and, and also, like, yeah, it's just like hearing all of this and that's in those fights. I think it's just very, well, personally, it's very inspiring for me to hear this. So uh, oh, I agree. Like, it's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks you know, for and, fighting the good fight. <laughs> of course. And, and we have to, you know, as women too, uh, we, we have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of obstacles that we just have to face, but we shouldn't see that as a disadvantage. I think it makes us prove our worth and work so much harder. Even, um, you know, you brought up The Purge. That was not an easy, I mean, I loved working on it, but it wasn't easy coming into the room as the new director and being the youngest person in the room. It was not easy being taken seriously on the first five days of work. And, you know, it's it happens. I, I actually had a fight with my camera guy on The Purge because he wouldn't do what I said. Uh, you know, and it, and we we even have this thing where and you ladies know that if you react or you defend yourself, you're officially labeled a bitch or labeled difficult or emotional or problematic, and you're like, yeah, you opinionated. I've gotten a lot, and it and you're just standing up for yourself. Whatever it may be, like I think we just need to continue to encourage change and. You know, one thing I always like to share is it's really up to us to also encourage each other. I still think there's more room for love between us women in the industry. I do still see and experience some competition and it shouldn't feel like that. There's room for all of us. So, you know, if there's a project that I'm going to say no to, no, no, thanks, not my type. But let me tell you three people right there who can do it and always leave the door open to the next person. That's how it's going to keep keep spiraling in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with this. I, I feel like I, I hear you, like, unfortunately, and it is, yeah, it is an unfortunate thing that some people still have that competition spirit, but, but it feels like there's a strong sense of community, and that's what I always found, like, like especially, like, just meeting and, like, you know, knowing all yeah. these wonderful women in horror like there's just this this feeling that's like we're all in the same fighting the same battle like you know we're all in the trenches together mm -hmm. like you know let's yeah. just like let's stick together and like let's let's pull each other up you know because i mean that's what like you know that's the only way like you know yeah. things are gonna actually change so agreed yeah well um I'm going to segue just back into like horror, actually. What what actually really got you into horror? Like, you know, what got you started in that? Like, you know, because it feels like 
I know you, you've done a lot of like, you know, a lot of like, you've touched on different genre, like not all of your work is horror. Some of it is more action based, you know, but, but I'm just, um, you know, I'm curious, like what really got you started in like, you know, horror, like what really was your entry point or <laughs> what sparked the love? Yeah, no, for, listen, I blame my mom. Like, I just wasn't allowed to watch any of this. I come from a very, very religious house, very Catholic, very Mexican. Like, it just was not allowed to watch any of that. Like, it just, no. So, you know, you walk in our house, like Jesus and Virgin Mary everywhere. We even had, like, holy water under our beds. Like, we, yes, not allowed. Everything's a devil. I feel you. Yeah, everything's a devil. You put your purse on the ground and it's like, the devil's going to take your money, mija. Pick up your purse. You know, mm -hmm. like, my that's that's my house. You oh, spill wow. the salt, ah, 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 put it over your shoulders. You know? yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pray, mija, pray. So, oh, look, I am even wearing a Virgin Mary sweater. <laughs> nice. <you> oh, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just, it, it, it all came, Maude, from curiosity. Yeah. Always. It was just my curiosity was was very was very strong with this one. And um until I you know the true the story I've always shared because this is what happened was I was so curious of what is it with these movies that my mom mm -hmm. won't let me. My most favorite thing to do at a younger age was to walk down the horror aisle at Blockbuster. I love doing that. Just to see the VHS and DVD covers mm -hmm. of all these movies and make up what the movies were about. I was just making up what they were about in my head. And the one movie that really captivated, that started it all, that all went downhill from there, <laughs> was Child's Play 2, Chucky. It was just the, that, that cover is Chucky with giant scissors cutting a little doll's head. And to me, I thought there was something so fucked up about that. I was like, oh, I was like that one. So I stole it. I was like eight. And I always like to say, you know, Mexicans, we don't steal. We borrow for a long time. So I borrowed it. Just borrowed that VHS and, and, and you know, watched it behind my parents' back. I think I must have been, I must have been eight, eight years old. Something young. No, not too old, not too young. I saw only the first 45 minutes and it was so scary, but I loved feeling scared. I didn't understand because I was so kept away from it, what fear felt like. Mm -hmm. And I use that as inspiration a lot because I experienced how movies can follow you home. And horror movies can do that. They follow you home for days and you feel that presence of evil with you. I felt Chucky was in the room. I, I was like, where is he at? I was like so scared, but I was excited. So I did that when I was sneaking to see The Exorcist and all these movies. I was like, oh my God, Linda Blair is going to be in my room. Yeah. Like I was so stoked. I was so stoked. I was so fucked up. Sorry. And that's what I like to put into the movies. That feeling that a movie can follow you home. Maybe it's not fear. With Culture Shock was a conversation. With Bingo Hell was the reminder of love for your grandparents. So if movies can do that to you, that they stick with you, uh, you're doing your job. And that and that's just where it started at all, the love for it. So and then, and, and of course, with genre, I just I'm a big fan of grossing people out and doing gore and just really resonating in the in the reactions, because uh, that's what excites me so much. I'm glad yeah. I wasn't the only person who stole stuff from Blockbuster. Like, as a child, I also would just, like, pocket stuff. Be like, I'm taking this because my mom won't let me have it. <laughs> nice. But also, Mo, do you remember your, like, the first box cover that you saw that, like, stuck with you? That's a good question. I I got to say, for me, it was the first, the first Child's Play. But mostly because oh. I, uh, it's not the first horror movie that I saw. It's the first horror movie that scared me as a kid, just because I was way too young. Like I had seen Poltergeist three before. Like, like I've already went <laughs> in length about how Poltergeist three like fascinated me and just really kind of got me into horror. But then I watched like Child's Play, and I I remember seeing it on cable TV, and I was all like, "Ooh, that looks so good! I'm watching a horror movie." And then I went to the video store. 
and I wanted to rent it. I had seen it that day and that night. I wanted to rent it to watch it again because I had missed the beginning. And my mom, she was all like, mm, that's not for you. And like, she put it back. And I'm all like, oh, no, but I've already seen it. And yeah, lo and behold, that night, I had a horrible nightmare that Chucky was hiding under my bed to kill me. Like, you know, and I had all of these dolls in my room. And like, I had like the next day, I just like took all the dolls and just put them all in a different like you know, room in the house. So I think, yeah, in, in that regard for like for this reason i think yeah the first one i remember seeing vividly was that child's play cover and then after that initial reaction every time i'd walk by the video store i'd be all like oh. just that one just that one i would watch i would look at all of the horror cover but i'm all like not you you're That's so funny <laughs> yeah what about you Allie? <laughs> The two like vivid horror movie covers I remember from seeing at like Blockbuster and stuff were one was Dead Alive with like the open mouth and the creature inside the mouth. And then the April Fool's Day one with the girl in front of the table at the party. She has that long braid that's like a noose. And like that stuck with me for so long that I have like an original print of that poster that I still haven't framed. And I feel really bad because I framed a lot of not great posters. <laughs> That's but I think awesome. watching wise, I truly do not remember what the first horror film I watched was. My older brother watched horror films constantly, and I was always his little buddy to watch them with. So, like, I started at, like, probably way too young of an age, and we were left alone a lot. So we were like, well, these movies will raise us. <laughs> yeah. Horror. Oh, horror. Oh, what horror. We do? Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I guess like I, I have one last question because I also see the time and I just I, I could talk with you for hours, honestly, like I, it feels you. like I'm like so inspiring and full of positive energy. I, I know it. I'm like barely touching the tip of the iceberg of all the <laughs> stuff I want to ask you. Um, I guess just on my end to conclude, uh, like as a creator and a storyteller, I guess what drives you to a story like, you know, which kind of story like you like to say like like how how do you just like you know what's your process like or like how do you settle on something i'm, I'm just i'm kind of curious because again because your work has such a distinct signature you know whether it's visual whether it's a type of stories but it's not it's never the same you know so <laughs> so like no that's great like it's but that that's like i feel like that's a mark of like a, a like you know a true uh author with a vision like you know it's just like when you, you when you can when you can easily pinpoint be like oh yeah this is a gg film but yet it's like you know i can say it i can see it's you but it's so different but at the same time there's something about it so i'm kind of curious as a like you know what what drives you as a as a creator or a storyteller that, that's a great question i don't really know but i i I'm a, i love just also bringing humor if i can yeah. if i see that there's moments you can just chill and relax I like that. Um, I, I like that because I find that what we see in the news is already crappy enough. It's already hurtful enough. And mm -hmm. I, I want to always bring escapism to people. I, I That's what interests me so much. I like stories that you can really feel that you're escaping reality. Even if it's with horror, I, I want to be able to mold it and tell it differently than how it would be told on the news or on the social media every day you look at culture shock or bingo hell we're talking about problems we're seeing every single day <laughs> so what interests me is being able to tell stories that i'm able to just mold them into something so different into a very different reality that really is what always captivates me and if there is a chance to have natural humor on them I'm a big fan, but of course, you know, I, I'm always trying to just elevate and go towards that children of men dream that I was just talking about to end on those like violent dramas that have so much to say uh, about humanity and society and, and, and us as a community. Um, so th those are, those are really the stories of how I like to, to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Wonderful. Ali, any any last burning question for uh, our viewers? <laughs> uh, honestly, no. I'm just so, like, inspired by what you've been saying because I'm in the process of, like, editing my first feature film. And I'm just like, oh, my God, yes. Please just, like, inspire me forever. Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you. Well, you know, it's thanks to, you know, platforms like this and uh, that you guys bring us together. 
So I'm inspired by you both and, oh, and thank you for making this a safe place to chat and, uh, and so inviting and welcoming and, and just thank you. So it means a lot to filmmakers to have their word, their work spread um, the way you guys are doing it. So thank you. Thank oh, you. And thank you for being on here. And like, before we end this yeah. portion of it, is there anything you can tell us about any projects that you have currently on the go? Not for directing yet. I've been pitching a lot and developing a lot. So I'm, I've been planting a lot of seeds and see, and see which one grows first. But on the acting side, uh, I've been doing a lot of voiceover, as you can see, my microphone. And just recently, I, I posted on social media for my first lead role on an animated show where I'm the, the lead character in all the episodes. Uh, it's called Supernatural Academy. It's going to be on, on Peacock. It's a YA show. Super beautiful. Yeah, it's full of magic, spooky stuff. And it's it's about this twin sister named Misha, who I play. She discovers that she actually comes from a supernatural world. And she's not a regular girl. She's actually a werewolf. So she has to go to this academy. It's almost like Hogwarts, but like cooler i think <laughs> so it's just her coming to terms into accepting who she really is and and it's been a blessing that was the blessing i got during covid when i built this booth with with my friend rainer that was one of the first roles i booked and it, it just kept me so motivated to be able to still be part of storytelling but this case it's my voice uh so i hope you all enjoy it yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, we can't wait to check it out. Yes. Thank you. January, check it out. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And for those who want to see your work or would like to hear more and follow you, where can they go? Oh, I think I'm the only Gigi Saul Guerrero online. So easy to find me at Horror Guerrero everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and even TikTok. But my TikToks are really silly. So I give a warning right now. <laughs> but they're awesome. Though. Yeah, they're thank fun. you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no, follow me there. And my production company, Lucha Gore, we're the only ones with that name on social media. So easy to find us and, and definitely keep up because we got a lot of cool stuff. Wonderful. Well, all the links are down below in the description uh, to this video. Uh, thank you so much, Gigi. Please stick around because we're going to do a little extra for a Patreon. And for the rest of you, thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking around. And if you want to see the continuity of the party, like hear more of what Gigi has to say, uh, just, just give us a follow on Patreon and you're going to have access to all the extra goodies. Thank you. Wonderful. So see you next time. Bye.